There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Counting Crows bring their signature alt-rock sound to MGM National Harbor this Friday. I spoke with guitarist David Immergluck about the band's biggest hits, from Mr. Jones to Round Here, Hanging Around to Accidentally in Love. Hey, David, thanks so much for joining us. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, what can we expect from the show? Um, you know, if our listeners have, have maybe seen you guys before, how might this be different? Or or is it is it, you know, the same hits that they always come to see you guys? Well, you know, we're always changing our set. But, you know, it's kind of it doesn't look good when I say the band is on fire. But I'm telling you, the band is on fire, particularly at this time, because traveling and touring during the pandemic, you know, the rest of the travel day, and every all the other things that surround touring kind of suck because we're we, we've had to keep ourselves in the bubble so the best part of the day is sound check and playing the show which it usually is anyway but we're just really appreciating playing we're really appreciating playing the audiences and it's just sort of a love fest so it's been really really great and we got some new new material that we've been playing and it's been going over really well as well so it's been a lot of fun Cool. Yeah, you mentioned the pandemic. Where are you guys at in you know getting back out there? Like, how, when when about did you did you start touring again? Uh, we've been out for about six weeks. I want to say uh, we've crossed the country. We started in Atlantic City on the west on the east coast and made our way uh, to the west coast. And I wasn't sure we were going to make it that far. And now we're now I'm I'm talking to you from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we've already made it back across the country again. We're making our way up to you. I appreciate so we've that. Out. We've been out for a little while now. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, DC is really excited to see and, and national Harbor is a, is like definitely a cool venue. We always love DC. I'm, I gotta say. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> I, you know, it's just a friendly city to us. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's just a nice place to be. Um, we actually had to, uh, pandemic wise, we actually had a case right after our first show in the crew. And, uh, we had to, we had to shut down for about a week. And we had to cancel a couple of shows. One of them were uh, we were redoing at the end of the tour, but we we actually uh, hold up in in D.C. because we like it so much. It was a nice place to stay while we were waiting to get clear to start up again. Oh, really? That's where you were it's hanging one, out. It's one of, it's one of our homes away from home. <laughs> right, right, right. But everything is okay with the the crew member now. Oh yeah, that was that was that was uh, months ago. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad DC. Now, we haven't had it. Well, thank God we haven't had an incident since. But, you know, I talk to other bands that are out on the road and, you know, people are people are catching it even when they're vaccinated. You know, you just got we we're, we're living in a really strict bubble out here ourselves. We've got pretty uh, strict rules we're applying to ourselves. And uh, so some people maybe aren't doing the same thing. And I know some some friends of mine who are also on tour have had to shut down because they've got they've contracted the bug. So. 
Yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a, a dicey very bizarre time for. It uh, really both, is for both. That's of why our I say. Rackets. That's why I say when we actually make it to the stage, it is a miracle, and we just we're we're loving it, and it and it's uh it's something. Awesome. You joined the band a couple years in, you know, as one of their guitarists, but. Remind our listeners how the band actually got together back in, in Berkeley. Well, that's I know long, you weren't Adam and I go go back as friends and you know music mates, uh, predating Counting Crows by almost ten years. Oh, awesome! And uh, you know there was a fertile Bay Area scene in the eighties, um, and that's when when this was happening. And he, he and I met in nineteen eighty four and have been you know best friends and music mates ever since. And uh, I was working in a recording. I had a recording studio, and David Bryson, uh, founding member of Counting Crows, also had a recording studio. And sometimes when I had my place was overbooked, I'd go use his studio. He produced bands that I was in. All kinds. Of, it was very incestuous. And one session I was doing over at his studio, I actually hired my housemate Adam Duritz to come sing background vocals on this thing. It was a sort of humor record, I believe and uh, introduced him to David Bryce and they hit it off and they started writing songs and suddenly they had this duo. And, uh, and then that turned into a band called Counting Crows. So I was kind of there at the beginning. So you were, you do remember all that. Wait, when did yeah. you, so you said you first, before any of that, you said you, you met Adam Duritz um, in 84. When did you first meet him? In 84, I had gone off on this uh, European sojourn that you do as a, you know, 20 year old in, in, if you're brought up in the Bay Area, you know, you rail pass, backpack, acoustic guitar, pile of books. And I went around Europe for about four and a half months. And I came back and, you know, uh, first thing I did when I got back to Berkeley was call my guy I've been playing with music with since seventh grade, this guy, Dan Eisenberg, this keyboard player, uh, who's still out, he's done stuff with Ryan Adams and he plays with the mother hips and all these different bands, but he and I go way, way back. And I called him to Hey, what's going on in town? And he goes, Oh, I joined this new band. We're rehearsing in my apartment. Come, come check it out. And that was this band called Mod L society that Adam was in. That's when I met Adam, this, uh, this incredible singer you know and he he and i start talk, arguing about records and we still are gotcha gotcha well speaking of records, a long time ago long long time ago you know long time ago but you know what? Coming out, that, we're closing in on 40 years on that one can of crows is closing in on 30 years it's insane yeah know? exactly wow 30 yeah you're right because it's what are we in 2021 so yeah 2023 will be 30 yeah. years since since yeah, august and everything actually, after there actually was a Counting Crows uh, in 1989, 90. You know, that's when it's actually, there was a version of the band at that point. But you, the world at large didn't hear about it until 1993. So we call that the sort of ground zero of Counting Crows. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, the band, the band is about is thirty years old itself. But the rest of the world, uh, it was 1993, August, and everything exactly. after. Man, exactly. that album was was massive, massive, massive. Um, yeah. Take me. Uh, I don't know how much you remember the creation of Mr. Jones, but as it's been relayed to you at least through the years and playing it, why do you think that song works so well? You know, it's really funny. I, I very well remember the creation of it because we were we were all, uh, you know, doing stuff all the time in the Bay Area. And I was in a bunch of bands and I was making a bunch of records. I was in this band called Monks of Doom. I was playing with Camper Van Beethoven. And I, had, I came home and Adam was already writing with uh, Dave Bryson. And I came home, I'd made this 
recording with Monks of Doom of this Mothers of Invention song called Who Are the Brain Police at this really kick-ass studio in uh, San Francisco. And I brought home the mix and I was like, oh, Adam, check this out. And I was really proud of it. Yeah, I, I'm, I still am. It's a really freaky recording. But he goes, oh, that's cool. Check this out. And it was the demo for uh, Mr. Jones, you know, which was this like weird, you know, Alesis beatbox, like budget drum machine, and nothing like what you hear now as Mr. Jones. But it was it was basically the chord progression and Adam's lyrics, you know, and this drum machine. And uh, so we were just sort of trading tapes, you know, hey, check, here's what I did. What do you do today? And Mr. Jones was his song. And uh, it's taken on a whole other life, obviously. Uh, but it really, everything changed once, uh, you know, August and everything after started getting recorded and T-Bone Burnett got involved, sort of like the whole patina of the band changed. Because it was sort of like a Roxy music, Peter Gabriel-esque sound, you know, uh, talk, talk, if you know those bands. Sure. And uh, T-Bone just identified that, oh, there's this whole earthier rootsier sound to these songs you know a la van morrison the band and that influence was brought in and and uh served the band very well oh yeah absolutely what what can you tell me i mean that same album um what can you tell me about round here because that that predated counting crows too Round right? here was in that band was from a band called the himalayans that adam was in before uh, uh counting crows and he brought that song along it sounded totally different with uh, the himalayans it was super weird emo indie rocky uh, darker, sort of the Cure type of song. And uh, he and David Bryson were doing it as an acoustic duo for a really long time, really cool, and brought that song in, you know. Oh, it, it's it's just one of the great ones. Um, yeah, all right, cool. Like almost that we still play it almost every night, never gets old. Same with Mr. Jones. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you still, you can oh. still shred on the guitar. We have today. a pretty deep catalog at this point, so it's pretty, pretty fun. Oh, absolutely. Well, I know, um, you know, August and everything after a lot of bands struggle with that sophomore slump coming up with something after that. But recovering the satellites was was maybe not quite as big, but still pretty darn big. I about mean, Long December um, on it. When it's yeah, still that's one of our biggest songs as well. So that's there, what I was going to you know. ask you about. Long December. Yeah. Long December. I love, love, love that song. It's that. It's definitely a little bit more of a you know melancholic sort of sound, but it's got that hope. You know, maybe this year will be better than the last. Yeah. But oh, which uh, means it takes on a whole new meaning this year. You know, oh yeah, it, 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 well, it, explain what it sort of talked about then, and then and then go more into. Well, I have to leave that to about it. So there were some incidents in uh, Los Angeles at the time that that song refers to, but it's sort of a universal thing, you know. And like you say, hope for next year will be better than the last, you know. And so, a whole new I meaning. Do, I don't want to delve into too much of what the meanings of the songs are. That's a dangerous territory, especially for someone with as vivid imagination as myself. <laughs> but it, it it does have a new meaning when you play it now for Absolutely. sure oh, it resonates. when we sing that line now the place usually erupts you know everyone's like yes you're pre yeah. preach bring it please you know yeah 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 um we gotta at least hit something off that third album this desert life hanging around uh that we one play that. we played a lot of that's a band that's a band favorite album we touch that album a lot every night and hanging around gets played every night. A lot of other songs do too, but we rotate them in and out. We play High Life a lot. We play I Wish I Was a Girl a lot. We've been playing uh, St. Robinson and his Cadillac Dreams a bit on this time. Uh, it's it's 
it's a favorite of the of Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. And that's sort of when I got uh, back involved in the band pretty heavy was on that album. Right. Well, tell, tell, take me or elaborate what you mean about got back in love. Cause you, like you say, you predate even counting crows. You guys. Yeah. Go, and go I back actually, and I, I helped make the first album, but then I went off for reasons I can't even remember now, but I wound up playing with John Hyatt. If you know who that is, mm -hmm. uh, American singer songwriter, I played with him and made a bunch of records with him for several years there. I was, did happen to be in the room when long December was being recorded. Um, and I would, you know, I would always touch, I'm, I touch base with Adam and, you know, if I was in town when County Crows were playing, I'd usually go get up and play with them. But uh, I came down and started, my friends from Camper Van Beethoven, David Lowry and the producer Dennis Herring were actually producing This Desert Life. And uh, Adam had me come down to play on the record and it just sort of, it just, it was a slump in the time I was playing with John Hyatt. And the next thing I know, I'm out on tour with County Crows and I'm a full, full-time band member, so. Awesome. Sounds so you that, that, rec that record holds a special meaning to me as well. Yeah, diving back in. Uh, and yeah, so I played a little bass on that. I played bass on four days on that one. That's really so. cool. Do you guys play anything from Hard Candy in the set still? We always play stuff from Hard Candy. We, we usually touch every album. We usually touch every album one way or another. We play Miami a lot. Um, we play a lot of tunes, you know, we, and we do. We try and touch every album, every show. You know, Absolutely. some get some some get more attention than others depending on the show. Cool, cool. Well, just to sort of keep taking it chronologically, I mean, a whole new generation. You know, I guess younger folks would probably remember you from the the Shrek Two soundtrack, "Accidentally in Love." Do you ever get young people come up and say, "Oh, you're that band"? Like, no, no idea of who Counting Crows were at first, but they remember you just from freaking. Shrek. You have people who know that song. I mean, you know, we take it where we can get it. That song was funny because it was sort of like. Uh, almost a cast off we were in the middle of tour manager called said hey you, uh, you know there's a you know and it, at that time it was like to get these songs on these movies it was almost like a competition you'd submit your song and you, uh, you didn't know who else was doing it all these people were submitting songs to get placed in this movie and you know you you know we we were given a slot to compete and like oh, okay okay and we wrote it on the road and you know in between we were in between uh you're a European tour that we just finished and we we're going to South Africa. I'll never forget it. And we finished in Holland and we booked some uh, studio time in London and just flew over there for two days, recorded this song, and then we're gone to uh, South Africa and continuing our touring, you know, and it was like, oh, we recorded it, blah, blah, never thought about it again. And the next thing we know, you know, five weeks later, it's like, oh, you got the placement. You're, you, they, they took the song. It's like, oh, awesome. That's cool. And then, you know, six months after the movie comes out, and then six months after, you're nominated for an Oscar for that song. It's like, what? What are you talking about? You know, we were just, we're just going our merry way, continuing with our Counting Crows touring life. And this thing is going on behind the scenes. Now, did Pretty you bizarre. actually get to go to and Oscar then turned, night? Pardon me? Did you actually get to go to Oscar night in the audience? We did go to the Oscars, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? A walk in the red carpet and be be sitting insane. there and just absolutely surreal and insane. We actually got to play the song on TV. Most people didn't get to play their songs that night, but we somehow our manager hooked it up so that we were actually able to perform it, which was more important than even you know winning or being nominated. Because at that time, so many people were watching the Oscars. I don't know if they are now, but the the funny thing about it was. I, my apartment in LA is a block away from the theater where that Oscars was being filmed. So I was able to just sort of 
you know, walk a block and a half to the red carpet, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think most people could say that. But. They just extend the carpet all the way. Down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you just extend another block and a half of Pylon Boulevard? That'd be cool. <laughs> awesome. What day? Well, so they had the whole neighborhood locked down like it was ground zero at that, you know, for the week before, you know, they, it, was pretty, it turns into a police state around the Oscars just for security. It's pretty well, crazy. Especially then, post 9 yeah. 11. I mean, it was just yeah. it. It was right. It was right after that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, did you any, any fun before we move off of that memory, any fun, you know, run-ins with any of your, you know, you know, you usually appearing in a music Prince, realm, but Prince, you know. uh, was there to, uh, you know, give out the award and every band member had some writing credit on our song, you know, and my, look, my name is, you know, hard to pronounce in any situation, you know, and so he's just reading off the, you know, a sheet of paper that he's got, you know. You know, accidentally in love by Adam Duritz, Stan Vickery, David Immerglake, and he mispronounced my name on live TV. You know, <laughs> my family's watching at home up in the Bay Area, and I'm just like, oh my god! You know, this is this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Prince mispronounced my name, and then all of a sudden he hit me. No, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Prince mispronounced my name on national TV. That is awesome. <laughs> so there's that. And then also I got to run into Kristen Dunst in the hallway and she was gorgeous that night. So that was pretty hot. A memorable night. Well, uh, just to make sure I don't botch it, give us the, give our audience and, and Prince, the late Prince, rest in peace, the proper way to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Immer Gluck. All right, cool. I mean, I'll make sure I... It doesn't umlaut over the U, which probably... Uh, confuses people because it looks like two eyes all of a sudden it's all about the umlaut well i promise i won't make you gotta have the same umlaut, mistake you know, as prince you know that's well i mean i mean we could talk all, i mean you, all your albums you guys cranked them out Sun, saturday night sunday morning somewhere under wonderland butter miracle sweet one that you guys yeah. kept cranking out but of all the stuff do you you know you know night in night out, night out on the guitar do you have a song that you either you know that that you think is is sort of like underrated that you like oh i love playing this every night and you're kind of mad if it's not in the set i wouldn't say mad i mean you know it really those kind of things change from tour to tour and from night to night but you know i really like playing high life because i think it's such an unusual uh piece of music and people don't usually clamor for it you know i don't know you know that i wish i was again some some of the weird songs on this desert life you know, our, our new stuff, the Butter Miracle Suite is going over really well, which is, uh, feels really good. Because sometimes you play new stuff and people don't care, you know. Um, interestingly, we always play Palisades Park from Somewhere Under Wonderland, which, again, is a piece of music I'm really proud of. And we've been playing it for years, and it's, you know, never been greeted with, you know, particular adulation. But now we've got a new record past it. And when we play it now, people are like, yeah, they're playing this song. You know, it's, it's really bizarre. People's, uh, you know, pu the public's reaction to stuff. But, you know, it's always a go figure type of situation. You, you can't, there's no accounting for it. We just do what we do. I love it. And it's got to feel good when, when people react to songs that you don't think they will or, or even like your newer that. stuff. That's why, that's why I say the new reactions to the new thing are really, really great. And that's like, oh, that feels really good. Awesome. Everyone definitely, we want to encourage them to check out that the new record too. Um, you know, before we run, you know, whenever I have a band member on, you know, and, and the other band members aren't there to, 
to defend themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying embarrass them, but, you know, d- dish on them, either make them blush when they listen back or make them laugh, you know. Uh, tell us, you know, j- what makes Adam special and the rest of the guys? Oh, come on. I'm not, I, I'm not going to go there. We got, we got 30 years of, uh, you know, inner band neuroses to, uh, you know, that we all love each other. The fact that we're still standing and a lot, enjoy each other's company is actually a miracle. And one of the reasons we are still standing, we do enjoy each other's company. So you don't have to embarrass them, but what makes, say something positive. What makes Adam such a talented lead and front man of the band? Ah, well, he's, I just, you know, for my money, he's like one of the best singers of his generation, honestly. And also, you know, he's an improviser. All right. And most, most people from the nineties aren't, you know, they don't really know what that is. And he changes it up all the time and it keeps it fresh. It keeps me fresh. I'm always reacting to him. I'll throw, it makes, I'm, I'm a bit an improviser as well. We do come from the San Francisco Bay area, which has sort of got a history of that. And, uh, so I'll throw throw weird things in, and I can hear him responding to it. You know what I mean? And he's just got a great ear. He's got a great sense of melody, and above all, he's got just this innate sense of timing. Uh, our drummer uh, Jim Bo just commented on that. We were tripping on that recently because we hadn't played as a band for two years because of the pandemic. We got back together, and we're like, oh yeah, remembering what's so great about it. But Adam's got really, really great timing. And it's in his piano. He like I always say he's a great piano player. He hates his piano playing, but I love it when he plays piano. Just, just not because of his, of his facility on the instrument, because, but because of his timing. And he has that timing in his vocal phrasing, you know. So I think that's what one of the things that makes him really particularly special, and just uh, you know a wild melodic imagination. Oh, absolutely. So there you have it. Yeah, it's what you're right. It's what. Thank you. It's one of those. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't have to dish. Oh, I could dish, but I won't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> that's we dish, am- we dish amongst ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's for when you're off the radio. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Well, you know, man, I, this has been a treat. I grew up with you guys' stuff, and but it's got. It's interesting now. Bands from you know your peers, you know early '90s, are now being played on like classic rock now, and I'm starting to think, you know what? It makes me think bigger picture questions. Whether you know, I know you're gonna say you don't care about accolades, but do you think? I mean, make your case for why you could be like a rock hall one day. I really think you could be once once bands from this era start getting in. Well, don't get me. I have my I have my weird opinions about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think they miss a lot of great things and put some stuff up there that. You know who cares? But I'm a I'm a deep record collector, so right. those kind of accolades don't mean much to me. But when Neil Young is giving a thumbs up, you know, on the side of the stage, that means a whole lot to me. When Robert Plant says he loves us, that means a, a you know you could shoot me at that point. You know what I'm saying? And we've had that happen. So uh, everything else is just you know. I don't know about the the accolades. The fact that we're still standing is just testament to itself, I think. Hey, Neil Young and Robert Plant is all the accolades that anybody. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? (laughs) I I was we were we were playing the uh, you know if you remember the Bridge Benefit concerts that he would put on in in uh, the Bay Area these acoustic uh, uh, things for benefits for multiple sclerosis. Uh, he was doing it, an, I don't think he's doing it anymore, but he was doing it annually for, um, you know, 15 years or so. And we went and played one of these things. And all these bands are on it. The thing is, you have to play acoustic, right? And it's a two-day affair. And uh, the one that we did, I, I want to say Wilco was on it, Dashboard Confessional, Pe- Pearl Jam is almost always on it. 
some other interesting people were there. And uh, a friend of mine from the Camper Van Beethoven days was working with Pearl Jam. He was guitar teching for them. And so we were, we'd played the day before, now it's the second day and it's in the afternoon. And I want to say Wilco was playing. And I go over to the Pearl Jam guitar pit on the side of the stage to go see my friend Nick. And I'm sitting there talking to him. Hadn't seen him in years. Then I jump, you know, sit on this road case and I watch Wilco for a little while. And suddenly, plonk, I feel this, you know, someone else sitting next to me watching Wilco. And I turn around and say, it's Neil Young. You know, I'm like, oh, God, you know. And so I, I just turn to him and say, hey, thank it's such an honor to be playing this thing. Thanks so much for having it. And he sort of interrupts me. And he's taller than you think, Neil Young. We're sitting next to each other, but he's sitting taller than me, you know? Huh. And he's looked down on me and he's like, Yo, you, you, guys are, you guys are a tough band. You're a tough band. I'm like, what? You're, you're sensitive, but you're tough, you know? <laughs> and you're tall, you're tall, rangy dudes, but you're playing sensitive music. You know, it's like, whoa. You know, and he's like giving all these accolades. I'm like, you, you, got, you can just, like I say, you could just shoot me right then, you know? What, what, what more could you ask for? No, no there's, that's, that's the, the pinnacle. Finish, you know? That's the pinnacle right there. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you, you joining us, and uh, it, it's going to be great. Everybody better check out Counting Crows, uh, October 1st at MGM National Harbor. Uh, thanks, for, thanks so much for joining us, David. I really, hey, really thank you. Hey, DC statehood. Let's make it happen. Yeah. What do you guys write a song about that for us? Will yeah, you? Hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> no, what, you'll Come see on. some license plates with the old, what is it? Taxation without res representation. That's us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. All right. All right, cool. man. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Good luck at the show. Hey, thanks, bro. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.